where I start with my clients is 12 months from now, how does your life look? If you could have whatever you want, how does it look? And we start there. Now, maybe some of the stuff is unrealistic. Maybe some of the stuff they just think is unrealistic, but they haven't found a way to get there. Some stuff is too vague, so we clarify it. I've mentioned some things like time off, you have a revenue target, and then maybe I want my kids to trust me 50% more. I want to have my partner be 50% happy that he or she is with me. Like, wouldn't that be a cool goal? Right? You just light your partner up and they're telling everyone, oh, this relationship's so good. I can't put my husband or my wife is just the best. We create goals like that for ourselves and then put deliberate attention on those goals. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. Now, that was David Wood. David's the founder of Focus.CEO, and he's a high-performance coach. And in today's conversation, we talk about David's prescription for growth. He calls it the five ones. And these are great guidelines for sellers to use to put together a disciplined and focused plan for improved performance and for growth. His five ones include how you focus on just one ICP, one problem and one promise, one conversion tool, one source of traffic, and giving yourself one year on this plan to make it happen. So we dig into why you need to keep experimenting, why you need to keep measuring and iterating what you're doing, and why it's essential to have the patience and persistence and value to stay focused and see this through to the end. All this and much, much more, but before we get to David, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it. You also leave us your feedback about how you're doing in the form of a review. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. David, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, pleasure to have you. Uh, let's see, we were introduced by Meredith Bell, right? That sounds right. Yeah. The amazing yeah. Meredith Bell. Yeah. She spoke highly of you and said, you have to have David on your show. So why, when she recommends, I, I act. So glad to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, she's been amazing. She, she reminds me why I'm in the game. It's, you know, when someone shows up and says, oh, you're producing so much value that, that helps me keep going. Yeah, it does. Right. When you hear from people that says, yeah, I hear people that fans of the show are 920 plus episodes in. Um, yeah. Everybody that works on the show gets charged up when they hear that people said, yeah, gotten a lot of value from it and it's helped them in their careers, which is why we're here. Yep. So, um, so tell us a little bit about you. You, we were just talking before I started recording that you were born in a small town in, in Australia or uh, near Sydney, but how'd you manage to work your way over to the U S what was that journey? Well, I went traveling when I was about 20, you know, maybe about 20, something mm-hmm. like that. And I went for a year. It's almost like a, a rite of passage when you're Australian when we go traveling, we realize everything's so far away, we might as well keep traveling. Right. So, and, and round the world tickets, like you could, let's suppose you could fly to the US for $2,000. Sometimes for $3,000, you can get an around the world ticket and hit 10 stops. So we worked that out at an early age in Australia. And I did that and I realized I can't afford to keep doing this because I, I blew a lot of money in a year of backpacking. 
So I said to my company, and I was working as, a, as an actuary back then in numbers and statistics mm-hmm. and finance, I said, any chance I could work overseas? And they said, well, maybe. So I put my hand, hand up and I got an interview in New York and got the job transfer to go and work on Park Avenue consulting to some of the biggest names in the business like Sony Music and Ford mm-hmm. and Exxon. So that's how I found my way to the US and I loved it so much. I keep coming back. I've gone to Bali, I've gone to Australia, I've gone to Colombia, and I just keep coming back to the U.S. because I like Americans. Well, you're in a beautiful location in Boulder. New York is great because I live part-time there as well. Uh, So it's sort of interesting, though, that you talked about you started in uh, as an actuary. It's sort of numbers. You think about being somewhat dry. I mean, probabilities and other things associated with it, but but tell us what you do now, because it's sort of a big shift, I think, sir, from, at least in my mind, sort of dry numbers to coaching entrepreneurs that encompasses both you know, business and life and mindset. And it almost seems like polar extremes to some degree. Yeah. Well, I wasn't the, I wasn't the average actuary. The joke with an actuary is that it's someone who didn't have the personality to become an accountant. I've never heard that. And I'm apologizing to accountants. I don't mean to be laughing at you, but that is funny, yes. (laughs) Yeah, and it's largely true, but I was showing uh, signs of a personality uh, even back then. I had a ponytail when I interviewed for the job, and somehow they still gave me the job. But someone suggested I do a personal growth course because I wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. I, I had an office. I, you know, I'm getting flown around the world. It was pretty awesome but I wasn't happy. And they said, why don't you go and try this course? So even though they all wore name tags and they smiled way too much, I decided to do the course. I'm going to get in, I'm going to get out, but they cracked my cynicism. I didn't realize there were people who devoted their lives to making the world better. I didn't think that was a thing. I thought it was all about money and Mm -hmm. looking out for yourself. And in this program, I accidentally coached somebody and changed their life overnight. What'd you do? Um, she, she, she revealed something to me. She said that 10 years ago, her husband had an affair and for 10 years, she'd been using that to manipulate him and control him and keep him under the thumb. Right. Um, but then she shared that 10 years ago, she had an affair as well, but she hadn't informed him of that fact. Right. And so I helped her look at the impact of keeping that a secret and the distance she had from her husband. And she looked at the possibility of coming clean and confessing and risking the relationship for potential intimacy and love. She'd have to put it all on the line. And I watched her screw up her courage with tears streaming down her face. She said, I'm going to do it. I said, you go, girl. And she went and did it, and she came back and reported to the whole group that her and her husband felt like they were floating on air six feet above the ground in love the entire weekend after she made this confession. And I was now, hooked. Now, he had been in the program too? Was he he in wasn't the pro- in the program, no. Okay, so she, like, she called him or something, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, she, she went home and she told him. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was, I was like, wow, how do I get more of this? How do I learn how to create these shifts for people? So that was 20 something years ago. I went and I quit my job. 
I went to a coach training program and I've been training for 20 years on mainly how to have a better life myself, better life and better business myself. And mm-hmm. as I learn things, then I share those with my clients. So now I've made the shift from actuary consulting on just numbers and money and systems. Now I still do that for business owners, but we look at the whole picture. We look at your life. We look at how you're showing up in the world. Are you expressed? And when your time does come to leave this planet, can you say, I gave it everything? Mm -hmm. That's what I want for my clients. Very interesting. Very interesting. Because this is a sales audience predominantly. Uh, yeah. Individual contributors. Uh, we got some entrepreneurs, sales managers, CEOs, and so on. But but this is certainly one of the, the challenges that people in this profession have is, is bringing them whole, their whole selves to, to the job and to their lives. Um, and we've talked a lot about it, especially in the last month. We've had almost all the episodes in this show, about 12, 11 or 12 were about last month, Mental Health Awareness Month, about mental health challenges that we're encountering um, more often in sales, or at least people being more open about speaking about it. And, oh. and the situation is not, not good. You know, it's a high, high stress profession. Uh, but the associated stress is brought on by the pandemic, uh, combined with what's happening in the, the field itself. It's yeah. People are, people are hard challenged, right? They're struggling. Yeah. The, the, the thing is we can get tunnel vision on the money. And that's normal and natural, and I think that's fine to begin there because more, more money is better than less money. And if you're in any kind of sales profession, you know you got to hustle. you gotta, you got to be good at what you do and put money mm-hmm. on the table. So that's good and valid. But if we stop there, then we're going to miss out on so much. We might miss out on a deeper connection with our partner. We mm-hmm. might miss out on having a partner. We might um, find that there's some distance between ourselves and our kids. Mm-hmm. And, and if we don't look at, address those things, ironically, we're not going to be as good at the sales either. So I say, right. look, learn your craft, get really good at sales, make a ton of money. That's great. But now what are you going to do with that money? And the next thing for most of my clients is, well, let's look at our, my time off. So I'm working, say, a 40-hour week, Mm 50-hour week right now. I'd like that to be a 20-hour week by the end of this year. Okay, great. Now you're talking. And what are you going to do with that time? Well, I'd like more time with my kids, or I'd like to run a marathon, or I want to write a book, or I'm going to swim with dolphins, or whatever. doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that you ask yourself the question, and you look at, like, what does my ideal life look like? Let's create that. And more sales is probably going to be a big chunk of that, but it's not the whole pie. Right. But as you talked about that, that sort of progression though is, is increasingly though, it's you, you can't sort of ask that question once you've, you know, mastered your craft as part of mastering your craft and being good at what you do is dealing with some of these issues as you go along. Right. Um, Yeah. And I think that's, that is one of the primary challenges I think we see in, from sort of the mental health burnout perspective and selling is, is just by its very nature, it is perhaps one of the more stressful 
professions, right? Um, and so how do you blend that knowing that there is an element of stress, but not to be overstressed by it in order to become the best version of yourself as you talk about? Yeah, well, this, the secret, and I think we're dancing around it, but the secret is that if your life is better, you will make more sales. Yes. That's my, that's my assertion. If you are stressed and burned out, the people you're speaking to will feel it. And that's Absolutely. the energy that you're bringing to the call. Whereas if you, uh, a great example of this is Ezra Files, Firestone is a friend of mine. He runs something called Smart Marketer. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's very successful, but he never loses sight of the fact of why he's here on the planet. And that's to have a good time in life. So he's always putting attention on his staff, attention on his, his wife, um, attention on his family. He's always giving to people. Guess what? People want to be around him. Mm-hmm. They want to work with him. They want to have him on their podcast. They want to have him come and speak at their conference because, yeah, he's going to sell you something, maybe, but he's more selling you on having a good time in life and you can tell that he is. So you right. want to be around it. So for salespeople, and, and you're, I haven't lost sight of your question, which was how, how do we blend it? Um, but I wanted to double click on the why. Yeah. Because I, I, I love it. Yeah. I know the left brain goes, but I got to make more money. Yes. But if you have your life be better, you will also make more money from doing that. So where I start with my clients is 12 months from now, how does your life look? If you could have whatever you want, how does it look? And we start there. Now, maybe some of the stuff is unrealistic. Maybe some of the stuff they just think is unrealistic, but they haven't found a way to get there. Um, Some stuff is too vague, so we clarify it. Mm -hmm. I've I've mentioned some things like time off. You have a revenue target. And then maybe I want my kids to trust me 50% more than they do and open up to me 50% more. I want to have um, my partner be 50% happy that he or she is with me. Like, wouldn't that be a cool goal? <laughs> right? You just light your partner up and they're telling everyone, oh, this relationship's so good. I can't, my husband or my wife is, is just the best. We create goals like that for ourselves and then put deliberate attention on those goals. I've got one client right now, her main thing is she needs to work out the vision. She's not clear what it looks like. Mm-hmm. She knows it's working for herself. She knows um, it's something in marketing, but she doesn't really know exactly what it looks like. So we'll work on that. At the same time, she's realized she wants more confidence. Okay, great. Let's put deliberate attention on you being a, a really confident version of you. Mm-hmm. You know, which is a great goal for any salesperson. Not sure. fake confidence. But right. true confidence, dignity in what I say matters. I believe in what I'm selling, and um, I think this is going to help you. What do you right. think? Let's let's talk about that. How how that's certainly a, a certainly relevant one for sellers. How do you work with yourself to gain confidence in yourself? Love that question, and it's timely because. We're just launching a Kickstarter campaign for a book that I'm writing called Name That Mouse because the elephant isn't the only animal in the room. Mm -hmm. We all know about the elephant in the room. You see it. I see it. 
let, let's suppose I was 10 minutes late to this podcast, didn't say anything. That's an elephant. Mm-hmm. But some creatures in the room are much more subtle. You know, maybe I really like that background and I'm inspired to get a picture like that, but I'm not saying anything. Um, that's a mouse. Or uh, there might be something else I'm appreciating, or maybe um, maybe I, I've come to the call overwhelmed with everything that's happening today and I'm just mm-hmm. skipping over it. That's a mouse. Maybe you pick up on something in my energy and you're like, hey, David's a little bit off today. I don't feel like that today. I just made that up as an example. Yeah. <laughs> but, but to the extent that we name our mice, we open the door for more connection and more confidence and more intimacy. If I hide these things, if I hide my overwhelm, then I've got to always look over my shoulder. Mm-hmm. If I hide my appreciation, I'm less connected with you. If I hide something I'm upset about, it really does erode confidence. So the secrets we keep destroy our confidence. And they don't have to be huge secrets. They can be tiny little things that are flitting through our mind or might uh, might have some real tension in my belly and I'm not saying it. Right. But to the extent that we name these things, we can actually, uh, our confidence grows. And I found that to be true for me, particularly when it's something edgy. Like I might say to a woman, hey, I feel drawn to you and I'd love to spend time with you. Would you like to watch a movie together? That might be really edgy. Those are a couple of mice that I've just named. But the more I do that, the more confident I feel in myself. The more I do it and I find out that, oh, she's not getting angry with me and some women are saying yes it's a pathway to confidence. Well, then the other part of that, as I'm just sort of thinking through, is is who do you name your mouse mice to, though? Yeah, right. Because everybody. This is, well, but this is one of the problems that exists. We talk about mental health challenges in sales. Is there has been a survey that's done by an organization saying that you know, only forty percent of sellers feel they can safely talk about you know, their mental health challenges or how they feel their feelings even um, at work. Yeah. So it becomes very hard to, to name your mice in those types of environments. It's, and how do, you, how do you have those conversations when that's the case? Great question. A client just said to me today, she said um, she wanted to speak to her employee, but the employee scares her a little. <laughs> And she was worried. She wants to give us some feedback, but she's worried that the employee is going to get defensive. This is someone she hired to run the company. So it's basically, she's giving feedback to the CEO. Mm -hmm. And I said, what do you think about sharing that? Saying, Hey, you know, I want to give you some feedback, but then I started thinking, I wonder if she's going to get defensive. And I, you know, that doesn't sound fun for either of us. So I was a bit nervous about having this conversation. Are you open to hearing some feedback? And she, first thing that came up is she said, well, I don't want to appear weak. And if I tell her that I'm nervous, isn't that going to be appearing weak? And I said, weak is the new strong. It is. In this day and age, Brene Brown mm-hmm. has, has shown the research that the more we're willing to be vulnerable, vulnerable and there's right. an art to it. You know, right. I, I'll give you an example of what not to do, but the more that we can artfully be vulnerable the more people want to be around us and want to know us. Weak is the new strong. 
right? right? If you if you never admitted any vulnerability to me, Andy, uh, over the next three years, it puts a cap on um, how connected I'm going to feel with Absolutely. you. I agree. 100%. So, yeah. So I here's what not to do. If you're the CEO of a company, you're not going to go to the board and say, we're running off a cliff. We're going down. I don't know how to save us. I'm freaking out. <laughs> we're not going to say that, okay? But we might say that to our coach and then work out what's really going on and then go to the board and say, some of you might be scared in this environment. I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes I am too. We don't know exactly how we're going to find our way out of this, but we will create a plan and we'll do it together. Mm-hmm. Right? So there are ways that you can share it with someone um, in, in a way that might have them trust you even more. We don't share everything. We're not going to share 100% of our mice, but the mind will often tell us, don't do that. That's going to be weak. I once had a friend come to me and say, oh my God, I've had an epiphany. I said, what is it? He said, I'm needy. (laughs) I was like, okay, say more. He said, right now at this stage in my life, I am needy. I have needs. I'm wanting more support, more approval. I'm needy right now. And for the first time in my life, I'm okay with that. Hmm. I was blown. I've got goosebumps right now. I was blown away at hearing someone say that because I've been trying to hide it all my life. Sometimes right. I'm super needy, but I didn't want to say oh, it because yeah. then I think I'll push people away. Right. But he did it without, without collapsing into it. He just owned it. Right. So when we can own our mice and say, hey, I notice I'm a bit nervous to have this, this, uh, this meeting with you because I re- notice I really want it to go well. And you don't have to do anything about that. I just wanted to name it. Right. That is a new language I want everybody in the world to be able to add to their tool belt. Tool belt. Hey, can I name a mouse with you? Oh, you haven't heard that expression? It's like naming the elephant in the room. It's just much smaller. I'd right. like to name a mouse with you. And then, yeah, I just want to name it. Uh, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. All right. I notice I'm, I'm low energy today and you might pick up on that. You don't have to do anything about it. I just want to name it. Boom. Done. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, so let's let's go to another example on that. I mean, is another tough conversation that that sellers need to have is is increasingly again we're dealing with this whole issue of burnout in sales, and uh, there's some people who have some exposure at different levels think that this is is quite a large problem. Uh, it's certainly an ever present problem that's been exacerbated by the last twelve fifteen months, but but there's uh, sellers want more autonomy, right? We're going through this phase over the last 10, 15 years where sales become much more about conforming to processes and, and complying to, to processes, and sellers feel constrained by that. And they want to have this conversation with their boss about, you know, hey, I think there's a better way to do it instead of setting you know, a standard that everybody has to make 50 calls a day or send 50 emails and make 25 calls or whatever the, the metrics are, I think I could do it more effectively with a different approach. But they don't yeah. feel like they can may have that conversation to say, look, I want to do things differently that I think will be more effective. How do they, how do they have that, that conversation 
Well, the irony is, of course, that that's a sales conversation. It is. Right? They, it? Want to, they, they want to sell their boss on something. So try your new method on your boss mm-hmm. you know, right? to enroll your boss in this idea of a new sales approach. Try it. And if it works on your boss, you can say, I used it on you. <laughs> that's the irony of it. Right. One, one thing, look, anyone in business has got to be a salesperson. Right, you're always, you're always selling selling something, and I want to share something I got from Alex Mondosian, who's a really great marketer in the U.S. And mm-hmm. he coached me when I wanted to go on stage and sell. And what I got from him is to name the mouse. He didn't say it in those words, but right. tell the truth. And the truth was something like this. You know, at the end of this speech, I really want you guys to continue your training with me. And so I'm going to do everything in my power to to motivate, inspire, and influence you to continue your training with me. Mm-hmm. And the best way I can think of to do that is to give you such great value right now that you guys can see what's possible. And in the end, you can decide for yourself if you want to continue. How does that sound to you? And the audience would always go, yeah. I say, is that fair? Yeah. Okay, great. Let's do it. So now they know a pitch is coming. They know I want them to buy from me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not hiding that at all. Now I have full permission. They've even said it's okay. Full permission to um, sell to them because it's transparent. I'm not hiding it. So if I imagine myself selling a vacuum cleaner, I imagine looking for the truth looking for the truth. And the truth might be, um, if I believe in the product, then I'm going to tell that. I say, look I, want, look, I know I'm a salesperson and I want you to buy the product, but I want to tell you something that's true for me. I actually think this, I, I'm working for this company because I went researching to see what the best product was that was out there. And this was the product. I can't sell something I don't believe in. If that's true, right? If that's not true, you're going to have to come up with something else. Right. Well, but your, your key point is, your truth, right? And this gets back to, you know, I think one of the toughest conversations people need to have is the one with themselves to start with, right? So why are they in this field? Why, why is this something they find fulfilling and fun to go do on a day-after-day basis? And I don't think that enough people have that conversation with themselves to really understand because it's just, well, this is just a job. I don't think every job, jobs don't need to be a mission, but you still need to understand why you're doing it. Yeah, that's true. And I, um, like when I'm, when I'm selling, cause I have, I, I'm a coach, so I sell coaching. Sure. Um, I could like, I don't actually have the viewpoint that, that, that people are broken. I don't think that's a fun viewpoint that you're broken. And if you buy what I have, um, you'll, you'll be well. And you'll be fixed and whole. That's, that's most marketing messages is, is you're, you're wrong doing it the wrong way. If you use this, you'll be right. That's one way. Yeah. And let me put, a, not a spin, but a, another layer on that. <laughs> um, you know, first of all, when you come from the position that, you know, you're trying to use persuasion as your primary method of interacting with people, then yeah, you're basically labeling people that I'm right and you're wrong. And But I have a different viewpoint on sure. that. So I, I don't, 
take that, that approach. The approach I take is you're already doing well. You got yourself here. Because I only, I only work with people who are already up and running and have sure. a certain degree of success. So I say, you're all, what you got, it got you here. So let's acknowledge that and let's celebrate that. If you want to work with me, it's about um, busting out into a higher orbit. So it's like, what would it take to do better? What would it take to spot your blind spots and maybe discover some things you didn't even know were possible? That's what my coaching is about. So for you, for listeners, when you're selling something, you could, you could take a page from that book if you want. You might be like, hey, look, you don't need this product, but it's going to make your life better. You could, you could try that um, if you believe that. If you don't, if you say, hey, I really think that you do need the product, then tell that. As you said, Andy, it comes back to what is your truth. Find a truth that gets you connected to the person in front of you, because then you can be yourself. Exactly. You can be honest. Whereas if you're trying to do a song and dance, if you're trying to follow a paint by numbers system that you don't believe in, now you're out of integrity and they're going to feel that. And it's no fun. It's draining and can lead to burnout. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, to a point you'd made before too, about, you know, you don't think people are, are broken and yeah, this is a, business to business sales audience that people are listening, but it's the same thing applies is, is, yeah, we train sellers so often as to look for the pain points. Right. And then, yeah, we'll identify those pain points. Then we'll identify a solution in my life and my career. I've always wanted to identify the first thing is what they want to achieve. Right. Cause I think people make the decision to make changes based on what they're, where they want to go, not necessarily to fix a specific pain point, at least in business. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You saying there's a difference between getting to somewhere they want to be versus fixing something that's well, painful. I think, people, I think people make the decision to change based on where they want to be. Not necessarily mm. saying, look, I want to, I don't want to do X, Y, Z anymore as much as, wow. To your point, I can envision myself doing this, right? I can envision our business achieving this type of result. This is where our plan is, where we want to be. And I find that when you approach customers initially more about what's the vision, what's the vision of success look like, that you're more likely to succeed with them than if it's like, well, let's just focus on what your real problems are. You're going to identify the problems. You're going to help yeah. find the problems. You're going to go through that process. But your focus is on where we're going. Yeah. So you're saying that you can you can achieve more if you focus on the carrot versus the stick. It's like I this guess. is the good, this is yeah. the good stuff or you're going to get right. to yeah. versus we're, we're going to stop the bad stuff. Yeah, I think both can work, and I imagine any good sales process is going to get you to both areas. It'll be like this is what's so frustrating. Okay, that sucks. How do you want it to look? I can help you get you from this bad place to this good place. Oh, you you do both. It's just. When you approach people and you're making that connection, what, what level are you connecting? Yeah. And yep. I think that makes a, a big difference. But anyway. I like it. Um, well, so I watched one of your videos. I really liked your, your video about the five ones. Yeah. And because you address this issue of overwhelm, which is a big problem for, for business people, a big problem for salespeople. And I thought, I thought it was really interesting about, yeah, how do you, sort of clarify what you should be spending your time on. Yeah. And so let's, let's go through that. So what, what are your, 
your five ones? Because I, even though you talk about it more in an entrepreneurial business standpoint, it does work specifically for sellers as well. Yeah. Uh, and I want to credit where credit's due. I got this from Taki Moore, who got this from Clay Collins. Uh, mm. And I think it's such a, a great structure because most of us are scattered. Most of us are scattered yeah. and, uh, and that leads to overwhelm. And society's going more and more in that direction. My goodness, all the options I've got for entertainment and for mm-hmm. communication channels and the different things. Like, and even if I wanted to go on vacation, I could go anywhere in the world. Right. You know, okay, now COVID's put a bit of a dampener on it, but there's so many options and it's getting more and more complex. It, it's, I mean, when I was 12 years old, no one had a personal computer. And now we got one in our pockets uh, and, mm-hmm. it, and it's a decision. Do I, do I check my phone or do I check my Apple watch or do I check the iPad or do I listen to the um, Alexa in my, you know, over the speakers yeah. who's giving me notifications or do I check my computer? They're saying they'll get to the point where you'll have wallpaper in your house that is uh, intelligent. And the wallpaper mm-hmm. will be the um, your computer screen, and you'll just you'll be like, "Oh, show me uh, what happened today in the news." Boom, your wall will tell you. So anyway, things are so complex, and it leads to stress and overwhelm. And then we're not going to sell as much, we're not going to make as much money, and we're going to have no time for ourselves. So the five ones come in. The first one is who's your target market. So who's your absolute avatar? Pick one. Doesn't mean right. if doesn't mean if other people come to you and say, "Can you sell to me too?" Doesn't mean you'll say no. You'll say, "Yeah, sure, I'll sell it to you too." But pick one to put all your effort onto. And then mm-hmm. the second one is pick one problem they have. Sure, I want to help my target market with the ten problems they're facing, but pick one to be known for. So for me, right. I, I, my, my first one was uh, business owners. I work with successful business owners. They're making yep. at least 5000 a month, and they're up and running, and they want to do better. Okay. The, but then what's the one problem they have? They want to double revenue uh, over 12 months. That's what I chose. And that was hard because I also want to help people with doubling their time off and being more extraordinary. Mm-hmm. But I had to pick mm-hmm. one to be known for. And then the third one is one solution, and that's your one product or service. Now, mm-hmm. mine gets a little diluted. I have three programs. I've got a group program. I've got private coaching, and then I've got private coaching for if you're in a corner. But pick one of those to promote. So for me, it's the middle program, private coaching. And then the fourth one is one conversion tool. So when they come to your website uh, or they, they're in your email sequence, what's the conversion tool that gets them interested or excited? Could be a video, could be a PDF, uh, could be a webinar that mm-hmm. you have, but pick one. I know you want five, but you're right. And then the last one is not intuitive. It's one year. Give yourself one year to go deep in each of these areas. And then after that year, you can start to expand it or switch to something else, 
or if you've hit 1 million in revenue before the year is up, then you can switch and, you know, you might add a different product or you add a second market, but at a level of complexity, right? Yeah. But the mind will say, oh, I don't want to miss out. So I need three target markets. I've got three, four problems I want to help them with. I've got four solutions. Uh, there is another one. I, I've expanded it to be six or seven ones instead of five. Another one is one traffic source. Right. So where are you getting your leads? Uh, you might choose alliances. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm just partnerships. That's how I get my traffic. Or Facebook ads or search engine optimization. or um, Well, for sellers, it, <laughs> it could be. Yeah, it could be referrals, right? It could be referrals. Uh, could be connections you make on LinkedIn. It could be, yeah, emails you send out or messages you send out. Cold email, channels, uh, right? Whatever it is, and it's okay to dilute a little bit for say the first four to six weeks. Uh, and I got this from the book Traction. I thought it was very clever. Mm-hmm. It said, "Look, pick pick the four most promising methods out of all of the methods that exist, and then test those for say six weeks." And then pick the one that has the most promising results. That's your one. Right. That's the one. So, for example, my traffic source is podcast appearances like this one. And I have gone deep and I've done 180 interviews in two years. And what that's allowed is that it's allowed me to get good at my messaging, get mm-hmm. good at being a guest, mm-hmm. get good at pitching to be on the shows, uh, get right. good at getting the referrals from Meredith Bell. Uh, I right. even start, wrote software. It took me three to four months writing code myself and hiring coders to write software to work out who you're connected to, Andy. Because after this, I'll be like, well, I, I had a good interview with Andy. I wonder which shows he's been on and which shows have been on his show. I've got software to do that. I couldn't have even had that idea if I was just dipping my toe in the water with wow. this. So the more we pick one thing and go deep, the better at it we get. I'm just writing a note about your your software program. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. But it, it came out of doing this for a year and realizing, sure. and then someone dropped a, dropped a clue and said, you know, you could find out which shows I've been on, but you do better by looking through my guest list. And seeing who's been on it, because I've had a lot of podcast hosts on my show, and I was like, I don't even know how software would do that. Wait a minute. If I had a database, a copy of the iTunes database, that would be a start. And then Mm -hmm. it could work out who the hosts are of all the shows that are a fit for me. And then it could search Andy's descriptions and titles to see if those names come out. It, It was a bit more complex than that, but- I, I, I geek out on stuff like that. Yeah, I was going to say, are you licensing that? No, because <laughs> that would destroy the five ones, right? Like, like my job right now is to coach people to make more money, have more time off and be more extraordinary. That's my right. job. Now I'm tempted to go into a side business, but oh, it'd have to be so appealing and so attractive and serve my coaching. And I don't yet see how that happens. So that's one thing that I've put on the sideline. Another mm-hmm. thing is whenever I tell podcast hosts, they, they're interested in my system and why I'm recording the show and 
and how mm-hmm. I get those clips out onto social media. And I said, well, I hired someone. We've got a process. She does all that for me. They all want to know if they could get an introduction. So I'm clear that that'd be a good business to go into. And also my guy who pitches me for podcasts, he's trained in my method. And a lot of people are curious, like, how can I get more bookings? That would be an interesting side business, but it would distract me from my core one, which is helping business owners to double their revenue and the time off through coaching. That's right now the business. Well, it's a great example of focus, right? And Because sellers, to your point earlier, just have the tendency to want to cast the nets as wide as possible when really the solution is to do the opposite and yeah. just be more focused. I'll tell you the best example I ever heard of this, and it really inspired me, and I hope it inspires our listeners. Uh, my friend Maria Sipka started, got a startup, got funding for it, and created a company that created content marketing in the consumer, perishable consumer industry. Mm -hmm. So a company like McDonald's could come to her and say, we need content to engage our social media followers. Mm -hmm. And their company would produce that. She was doing so well, so successfully, that people kept coming to her and saying, you need to franchise this. We'll take your model and we'll do the same stuff in the tech industry. We'll do it in the airline industry. We'll do it in the whatever. How tempting must that have been? Mm -hmm. And she said no. Every time she said no. And I said, why not? You could make a fortune. And she said, because every second taken in a meeting about that is taking us away from being excellent in what we're doing. Right. I thought that was mind-blowing. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, it's, it's aligns. I was just reading a book by a guy named Garland Vance about how to become unbusy, right? And it's the whole concept is we're overcommitted. Yeah. Right? Sounds good. Yeah. Right? To be busy. But by being busy, we distract ourselves from actually achieving our goals. Yeah. Busy and productive are two completely separate animals. Right. And so at the end of the day, you can ask yourself, was I busy or was I productive? Maybe you were both. Um, Another example of this is, uh, I forget who recently mentioned it to me, but Colonel Sanders is a well-known <laughs> figure in our society. Yes. And Colonel Sanders, they said they had four words were their company mission. We do chicken right. Mm-hmm. Chicken. Not beef, right? Not pork, not hamburgers, not tacos. We do chicken right. Now, okay, these days I haven't been to KFC for a long time. I don't know what they've got. Maybe they've got a salad now, right? Um, and they, of course, they do French fries and gravy and potatoes, and right? They added those things on afterwards. My question, listeners, is what's your chicken? Mm-hmm. What's your chicken? What's your version of we do chicken right? And uh, get really good at that. Sounds like a great way to end. So, David. That was great. Thank you very much. My pleasure. So if people want to connect with you and learn more about what you do, what's the best way to do that? Thank you. I created a gift basket of goodies for listeners. So there's a cheat sheet, one or two pages, or the checklist on how to achieve twice as much in half the time. And it's specifically geared towards doubling revenue over 12 months and your time off. 
So you mm-hmm. can get the cheat sheet. You get a six-minute video on how to apply it if you want to go a little deeper. And if you want to get on a call with me and find out if I'd be the right coach for you and if you'd be the right client for me, there's a way to do that. Uh, usually in 15 minutes, I can, I, I can work out if this has got legs and if we should be working together or not. Also, you can subscribe to my podcast. I've got Extraordinary Focus with David Wood, and you can uh, listen to me as well as the amazing Andy. And you can get all of these things at myfocusgift.com. That'll take you, I mean, you can just go to my website and look around, but this takes you to a hidden page on my website where you can get these goodies, myfocusgift.com. Perfect. David, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Andy, you took me places I I haven't been before on an interview, and I don't get to say that very often. So thank you very (laughs) much. I really appreciate you. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guest, David Wood, for sharing his wisdom with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this episode is over. So thank you for your help. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Good selling, everyone.